0: There's nobody in this world that can deal with the deepest problems of your soul. There's only one name. Jesus is the only one who can save your soul and make you whole. Jesus is the only one. There's only one name. Jesus is the only name. One name. Do we believe there's significance in a name? Everybody here came in and you each carry and possess a name. But I wonder, do we actually believe there's significance in your name? In a name. I wonder if you have thought it through with your own life. Because A name carries, it seems to carry so much with it. A name seems to carry so much power, so much that goes along with the name. You know, it was the famous William Shakespeare who said that a rose by any other name would smell just as sweet. And he said that in Romeo in the play, in the Romeo and Juliet play, but I wonder, do we believe that there's significance in a name? Fun fact, uh, if you don't know, my name is Mandela, but my first name is actually Emmanuel. My legal name, my first legal name is Emmanuel. My mom named me Emmanuel, which means God with us because when she was having me, she almost died. And she really believed that God was with us and kept her life and kept my life as well. But it's interesting, speaking about the significance of a name, because when I was in grade 10, And I was in high school at the time. I remember coming to school on a Monday after the weekend. It was Monday and it was lunchtime. And I was going into the lounge area, grab my food. And I was going to go to my friends because they have a bunch of couches in these lounge areas. And I was excited because typically we would just hang out around lunch, have conversation like a normal any other day. But this wasn't like any other normal day. Everybody seemed to be staring at me. And it wasn't the good stares. It wasn't like, oh my goodness, Mandela looks good today. No, 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 no. Everybody was looking at me and just like whispering. And I was like, okay, what's going on? I was starting to calculate in my head what happened, what's going on over the weekend. And everybody just seemed to have something that they were talking about me. And so I finally sit with my friend and my friend pulls me aside and said, hey, is it true? I'm like, what do you mean? What, what's true? He's like, did you really do that? I said, what do you mean? What did I, did I really do that? And he said, we heard that you like beat up this other little kid like crazy, like you really hurt somebody bad, like some younger kid, and like beat him to the point he had to go to the hospital. And I said, what? I didn't do that. And I'm kidding, I'm like, did I do that? <laughs> you know, and I wasn't really walking with God and I was, I was getting into trouble from time to time, but I knew I didn't, I was never a fighter. I would never fight. I didn't like fighting. So that like that's not me. But everyone's like, everyone heard Emmanuel beat up this little kid and send him to the hospital over the weekend. And I'm like, where is this coming from? They're using my name. Sure enough, I put the two and two together and we found out that there was another Emmanuel that was at a school nearby, another high school. He's also black, just like me, and called Emmanuel, just like me, looks very similar to me, and so everybody thought it was me. So here's the thing. Now my name was being tainted. And now it was my name had a certain reputation attached to it. Because if we're honest with ourselves, it's not just a name. Everybody's name, there's something behind a name. There's something behind the person. If you look, I want to show you a list over here. If we look up on this list, this is Times 100 most significant people in history. In 2013, Times Magazine put the 100 most significant people they thought in history that made the greatest impact in our world, that impacts us to this day, that we feel the effects. This is the top 10 list. Take a look at the names. Do we recognize them? Napoleon, William Shakespeare, I just quoted. Some of the most famous plays, Aristotle, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Thomas Jefferson. All these people had a significant role that impacted the world on a global scale that we still feel and we still talk about today. Notice, though, there's a name missing. Top number one. Who do you think they thought was the most significant person in history? Yeah, you got it right. Like, good. Look at that. Good Sunday school students, right? (laughs) Jesus, isn't that interesting? And I read a lot of other top 10, uh, top 100, most significant, and they would put Jesus on the top three, top five, top 10. Jesus keeps showing up, but they felt he was the number one because of the impact that this man, Jesus, this man, Jesus roamed this earth over 2000 years ago. But he wasn't just any ordinary man to have such a significance. What was behind this man? What was behind this person? What about his name? Why is it this name that we care so much that even here today on Good Friday, we celebrate his death? What is it about the name Jesus? What is it behind him that I even want to invite you to see that it's only his name? There's only one name that carries more weight than anybody else. Because I know who I can call if I'm having trouble with mechanical problems and I do get them from time to time, you know, you can ask Pastor Derek, we talk about this. I know, okay, I I call up, Pastor Sam Ong, he's one of our support pastors, retired mechanic. I'm like, Sam, I need some help, Pastor Sam. I don't know what to do about this vehicle. Why? Because I know that Sam, behind Sam Ong and his name, behind this brother of mine, there's also this reputation and history he has. He's able to deal with a problem that I know that I can't deal on my own because he has the experience. He has the expertise. Terry Jansen is not just Terry Jansen. Pastor Terry is a name that carries weight for me. He's not just Terry Jansen. When I think Pastor Terry, I think spiritual father. I think of somebody who was able to do what a lot of other people couldn't do for me. Especially in a time of my life when I almost wanted to give up and I was in so much despair. This man, Terry Jansen, Pastor Terry, was able to guide me and shepherd me to healing and wholeness. When I think about the name Alexandria Nisenga, behind that name, maybe it's different for you. Some of you are like, I don't even know who that is. But for Alexandria Nisenga, that's my spouse. That's my wife. She's more than just the name. Behind that name, that's the person I'm one with. That's the person who builds me up. That's a person who keeps me and challenges me and keeps me in line most of the time. She's an incredible woman of God. There's so much behind her name. But no, listen, nobody that I've listed, not even in the top 100 next to Jesus can be able to do what's going on in my soul. No, even Pastor Terry Jansen cannot deal with what's going on in the depths of your soul. No, not anybody in your spouse, your friends. There's nobody in this world that can deal with the deepest problems of your soul. There's only one name. Jesus is the only one who can save your soul and make you whole. Jesus is the only one. There is only one name. Jesus is the only name. And I want to invite you to experience that and understand that for yourself here on this Good Friday. Would you grab your Bibles if you have your Bibles? And we're going to share and we're going to discover two very important aspects of this Good Friday that will help you understand why Jesus is the only name, why Jesus is the only name that can save our soul and make us whole. I want us to take these Bibles. If you have your Bibles or your Bible devices, you can hold them up in in the sky and just hold it with confidence up in the air and say, God, I believe in what you said in here for me, for my family. Are we ready to declare together, church? This is my... It is God speaking to me. I am who he says I am. I do what he says I can do. I have what he says I can have. I choose to open my heart to receive a word from God that changes my life forever. Amen. Let's pray and get ready to receive God's word here this evening. God, we thank you for this space where we can come together and to hear your word. God, I pray that this would not just be a good remembrance, a good moment, but I pray that this would impact us. And for many, it would change the course of their direction of their lives. To be reminded that there is one name and there's only one name that can save. So that we would be charged, not just for our lives, but for the sake of our community, for the sake of our world, to know that only Jesus is the one who can save our soul and make us whole. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the church says? Amen. Amen. Could you go to Galatians chapter two, verse 20, I want to share this scripture with you all. You may have heard it before, but let's read the word of God together. In Galatians chapter two, verse 20, it says this. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. But Christ lives in me, so I live in this earthly body by trusting God, trusting in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is powerful. My old self has been what? Crucified. Say it one more time. I want to share just two very important points to help you understand why Jesus is the only name that can save our soul and make us whole. Point number one, Jesus is our substitute. Everybody say substitute. Not your substitute teacher. Substitute. Substitute is, it means in replace of. Has anybody ever seen the movie Armageddon? It's an old one. 1998. A 90s classic. 1998. It was the highest grossing film in 1998. Bruce Willis, if you know Die Hard and all these other ones, this movie, one of my favorites, one of my cl- one of my favorites in this movie. And I'm sorry, spoiler alert here. I'm going to be sharing part of this movie, so some of you, you can throw stones later, okay? But I had to share this because it was such a significant moment in the movie, closer to the end. Bruce Willis's character, when they this the context of the movie the world was coming close to an end. There was an asteroid about to come and destroy the entire planet and all of humanity was going to be wiped out. It was a serious moment. And this character, Harry, this is Bruce Wells' character, him and his team have a drilling company. And they were invited by NASA to become astronauts to go and to fly to this asteroid and with his drilling team, to drill so they can put a nuclear bomb inside the asteroid so that they can blow it up so it does not impact Earth. They get there and things are crazy and it's chaotic, but as they get close to the end, they're so close to their final part of the mission to get the bomb in and get the detonator set, but unfortunately, something went wrong. And they could not detonate it, away from it. Someone had to stay behind and manually detonate it. Meaning they had to sacrifice and give up their lives. Somebody had to stay behind for the sake of humanity, sacrifice their life so that everybody else can live. So they pulled straws. And Carrie's character, he and uh, his team, his daughter's boyfriend, his name's AJ in the story, and he ended up getting picked. And this is a hard moment because he's looking at this person who's potentially going to be a future son-in-law because they're going to get married. He's going to get married to his daughter. And he's taking him down towards the asteroid from the ship. And he's looking at this young man who's like, okay, I got to do this for humanity. I got to give up my life. And just in that moment when they're about to come out and he was about to say his goodbye to his potential future father-in-law, he takes out the Air that was keeping him alive to, to part of his helmet and throws him back inside and locks him and he takes his place. In place of him, he says, no, 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 I want you to go. And he says his final words. He says, I need you to go. You are a son that I want. I want you to go get married. And he ends up taking the sacrifice and says, you got to go. And that was probably a hard, that was one of the hardest moments. He went in place of him sacrificed himself, even though he didn't have to, even though he's not the, it was, he wasn't the one who pulled the straw, he wasn't the one who, pulled, who was supposed to be the one to die, but he said, no, I'm going to take your place. I want you to live. Could you imagine someone doing that for you? Giving you another chance to live? Could you imagine that feeling? How hard it would be at the same time, knowing that this person gave their life for you, and you get to go on? But I, but here, listen, Church. We don't have an asteroid coming to this planet. <laughs> At least I, as long as I'm not aware of, right? We don't have an asteroid coming toward us. Our problem is not our Earth is in its final stages, and an asteroid's going to take us all out. That's not our biggest problem. Our biggest problem goes far more deeper than that. The Bible calls it sin. The Bible says it's sin. It's the condition of our souls. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. And I want you to know everyone in this room, take a look around beside you. Every one of us were born into sin. Every one of us have done things that offended a beautiful and holy and awesome God. Every one of us, have made mistakes. Every one of us and everyone in this world is desperately in need of saving. And Jesus said, I want to take your place. He became to be our substitute because everything that you carry, you can't fix on your own. Everything that you go through, you can't do it in your own strength. And that's why Jesus had to come. Let's read Isaiah. This is a powerful scripture that that declares what Jesus has done. In Isaiah, we see Jesus. This is speaking of Jesus for you and for the entire world. It was our weaknesses. Did you come in here this evening with a weakness? It was our weaknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought it was his troubles that were a punishment from God. It wasn't because Jesus sinned. It wasn't because Jesus was the one who did anything wrong. No, a punishment for, our, for his own sins. No, it was, he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. And keep reading. All of us, all, every human being have strayed away. We've all left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Every human being in this world have rebelled and pushed away God. But Jesus came to be the substitute, to re and replace of what you could not do. How many of you have came in with carrying something this evening even? thinking about what you've been going through, your family situation. I'm sure you can think of a loved one in your life that is carrying something that is shameful. How many of us might be carrying shame or guilt right now? How many of us know a friend or family that is carrying shame or guilt? We all understand that weightiness. Yet Jesus says, I want to take that on myself, on your behalf. I want you to know that you don't gotta carry that any longer. I don't want you to think that you can fix it on your own. I don't want you to think that there's any other name that can do it for you. Every other person in this world may have a certain place in your life, but Jesus needs to be the only one who can deal with the condition of your soul. And I wanna encourage you here this evening, and for anyone who came, burdened and heavy, that Jesus wants to take that up on himself. That's why there is a cross. He died for your sins. He wants you to have new life. Because Jesus needed to be also our savior. He's our substitute, but he's also our savior. Everybody say savior. Let's read Matthew chapter one, verse 21. This is good. And she will, this is Mary, have a son. And you are to name him Jesus. Jesus. For he will save his people from there. We all have sins. There are certain things in our lives that are dark and broken from the moment we are little children. I see it in my one and a half year old daughter. I see it in my son who's turning four. I see it in my life. I see it in my family. I see it in my community. I see it in Any place you go around the world, nobody's exempt. It doesn't matter what gender you are, what culture you are. It doesn't matter how much you give to charities. We all have sinned and we need to be saved from our sins. Jesus is our Savior. Acts chapter 4 verse 12. Just so you understand God's word, this is his word for you and for the entire world. There is salvation in no one else. The prophet Muhammad could not do it. There is no other religion. There is no other path. God has given no other name, no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. I don't know about you, but this gives me a sense of urgency. This gives me a deep sense of urgency, not just for my life. Not just for the moment when God, when I was in grade 11, he had me go through a serious moment in my dream when I was dreaming and I was in the downtown Vancouver and I've shared this story before but I'll summarize it because it's very relevant. But when I'm walking downtown in the streets of Vancouver and I didn't even think it was a dream, it felt too real. And I'm seeing people walking around, going about their lives, doing about their business and everything seemed happy and the sun was shining. And as I'm walking around, I'm seeing all this joyful and excitement and all these angels start to come from the sky. And as I look at these angels and they're carrying their backpacks and they have names on their backpacks on the back, they had come down and they were going to individual people and it was their name on the backpack. And as they put their backpack on these people, he would, with their wings on the backpack, they would bring these people up into the sky, into heavenly paradise. And I said, I want my backpack. Where is my angel? And I was excited and I waited and I waited and I waited, but there was no angel coming for me. And as I looked around, I saw other people were anxiously waiting too and nobody was coming for them, but other people were going. And soon enough, there was one, two, three. It was all done, angels gone and everything goes dark. And it was a darkness that I could feel. I can't even begin to describe to you. I could feel that darkness in that place. And I was so afraid and I saw Demons come from underneath the ground, and I was scared, and they came and bounced on me, and I woke up crying my eyes out. And I said, what is this? And I realized in that moment it was from God, because I've never forgotten this dream to the finest detail. It's the dream that shook me to the core, and it was God beginning to speak to me, pursue me, and say, it is time to get right with me. Because I grew up in a Christian home. I knew who God was. I would mention his name, but I did not surrender to him. I just wanted to have a part of God in my life, but I didn't want to surrender my life to him. I wanted the idea of I can have God and still do all the things that I wanted to do. I realized that I was missing an important piece is to surrender to the only name that can save. And that was the beginning of a journey to the cross. And it was in 2008, on my knees in my room as I'm crying in tears of depression and anxiety and confusion. I heard the Lord and God said to me, Son, stop carrying this weight. You're trying to prove yourself. You're empty. You're depressed. On the outside, it seemed like everything was good. I had all that I wanted. I got a new father. I had a nice house. I had all the friends that I so-called wanted and everything on the outside looked good. If you would put a checklist and say, what's wrong? Why you shouldn't be depressed? But no, I was empty. I was confused. And Jesus came in my brokenness and said, give your heart to me. I'm the only one that can fulfill your deepest needs, and I gave my heart to Jesus as a young man, 17 years old. I said, Jesus, have your way, I surrender. I know that I've sinned against you. I know that I've made mistakes. I had so much shame. I was carrying so much addiction in my life. I was so confused. I knew that I was hurting a good God. And yet in my shame and my guilt, in my messiness, he came to me like a good father. And I felt God's embrace. And he said, son, you need to let it go. You need to stop trying to do this on your own. You need to stop trying to fix your own problems. You need to give your heart to me you need to repent turn away from your sins turn to me and trust in me for the salvation of your soul and that was the beginning of the trajectory that changed my life forever and i stand on this stage before you now because the son of god saved me delivered me changed me and gave me new life and gave me hope but i had to choose to put my confidence in his work on the cross so that i can confidently say today that i have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer Mandela who lives. I can't trust in that name. I want you to say your name to yourself right now. You don't gotta see it out loud, but I want you to say your name to yourself. You know your name. What comes with that name? Even go ahead, close your eyes. Take a moment, Ex. Take a moment. Let's let's do a little an exercise together, would you? And for those of you online, don't worry. This is not a spectacle. This is not a show. This is an opportunity. This is a moment for you to really think about your name. I know for me, when I thought about my name, Mandela, when I thought about my name, it came with a lot of baggage. It came with a lot of confusion. It came with an identity crisis. What is it for you? What do you see when you think of yourself? I want you to know that Jesus wants to give you a new heart and a new mind.